0: It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning to you, Redmond.
2: Good morning, Patrick. Lovely to be here as per usual. It Uh,
0: is. We're straight into a bit of news. Now, the 2021... Sydney Festival of Boating has been cancelled. This is obviously um, as a result of the ongoing COVID situation that Sydney faces. Um, it's a bit of a disappointment because it's a really exciting festival for anyone that's interested in boating. It is. That's a Sydney... I don't know if you've done the actual... Have you
2: done the Sydney Boat Show yourself? No. And I know you I've have. You've been there a few times. And it's... Uh, as good as the Melbourne Boat Show is, Sydney is just—it's just even better. It's just—it's massive. Yep. It's outdoor area. There's, well, I think it's like three levels. There's, you've got to get escalators to see the other every different boat that literally on every different uh, level of the building. It's bloody phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. I'll get that word out. Phenomenal, phenomenal. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it is. It's it's sensational, and it's a real disappointment that is not going ahead. So,
0: so it was supposed to go ahead uh, later this month in a more managed format given the, the restrictions. But with where everything's at, it's just not going to be possible, unfortunately. Due to the Melbourne one being cancelled
2: too, Pat, that was, a lot of that was cancelled, not so much as COVID in itself. It was due to a lot of boat dealerships and manufacturers weren't actually going to be there due to the stock because there's, there's nothing really available in the country, possibly, nearly the world, to be honest with you. But that was at the time. Yeah, so at the time. time. Now things are a little bit for Sydney. I would have been very interested to see what actually made it to the Sydney boat show, if it was going to be as big as what it previously has been in the years that I've gone and in the past. So it would have been interesting to see if say, for example, Staser boats, what they had in their dealerships are actually in sale to see what is actually around at the moment, because yep. it's still, I know Staser for example, we use we, the reason we, we say Staser is because we've spoken about this so many times. We had drew on from last week. Last week. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think it's Andrew from Melbourne Marine center said it's like over a six month wait for a Staser where mm. traditionally you could walk into pretty much any dealership around
0: the country and walk out
2: with the boat that you pretty much want.
0: So yep. it would have been very interesting to see. Uh, we were trawling through sort of boat sales for a bit of boating news during the week and um, Victoria's boating industry are trialling a new boat show that includes on water tests. Now this is different to um, the Melbourne exhibition centre, which is obviously all under roof and given generally the timing of the boat show, it's, it's well set up for that because it can be taught, you know, slightly cooler that time of year, that sort of June, July timing. Yep. Um, there's a two kilometre uh purpose built waterway at Bangholm in Melbourne South East, which not don't, don't make out you and I know where Bangholm is either, because well, we don't. i I Google, <laughs> I Google mapped it. Um in Melbourne South East. Um they'll open the gates from um October nine to ten, as we said, there's on water trials for the first time. As as sexy as and great as that sounds, when you think of on water testing, if you're going to purchase a boat What's the point of on-water testing when, really, it's in a pond, so you're not actually going to be able to test the boat's capabilities. All you're going to get, really, is the stability, which my majority of boats built now, particularly Australian-built boats, they're all brilliant when the water's mill pond flat. The only thing that I think you're going to gain out of it is
2: you're actually going to get real-life size of what your boat will be on water. And what I mean by that is, if you rock up to a boat show and you look up on the stand, and there's a six metre North Bank, for example, sitting on the trailer, my boat looks massive when you look at it on a trailer. Yeah. You look at your one, Pat, the seven fifty. Well, we'd like to, but we don't know if that exists. But <laughs> Pat, it's not far away. A little birdie told me. But uh, boats look so much bigger out of the water than they do in actual. Than, when, the, than they do water. actually on the water. Yep. So it'll give, I think, families and whatnot. Uh, a good understanding of how big the boat they're actually going to buy yep. rather than rather than their partners either side looking at them going, that's too big or that's huge, why do you want that? Or that's too small. You're actually going to be able to put it in the water and see if your family of four, for example, can do what you want to be able to do on that boat. That's probably the only example I can see because you're not going to be able to test it out. You can jump from side to side so many times, but it's completely different when you're out in Apollo Bay chasing bluefin tuna, or if you do want to test it in Port Phillip Bay in rough winds, yeah, little things like when the wind grabs your boat, uh, when it when it leans, and some people use trim tabs. I move my
0: crew around the boat. You're not going to get any of that feel and yep. actually know what it can do. But I, I suppose what you can do is on this very same day, step from one boat to another. Yep. Which to another to another. You know, you can go through five, six, seven. They're all just rafted man- up, and in, and in <laughs> as many boats as uh, available, you can actually step on the through the helm cockpit, you know, get the feel of the, of the layout. You're obviously not going to get performance and handling, but you can get the feel of it, oh, which I'm, you couldn't on any other occasion on the same day, test all these boats. Cause it's just not physically possible in order to go out to sea and, and line up manufacturers and, and whether it be Melbourne Marine or, or, or others to, to test boats. I reckon it also due to COVID we're missing the boat show the last couple of years
2: this year, last year. It's great. That they're actually trying to do something now. Absolutely. It's great. So October's it's only mid October, 9th or tenth, I think you said. And weather's gonna be starting to get better. Hopefully, fingers crossed there's no COVID around like it was a few months ago. And we can actually have the numbers outdoors because the in inside capacity isn't just gonna isn't gonna work for so hopefully that uh, it does go ahead, everything goes to
0: plan, and it turns out to be a success for him. During the week, there was a shark that attacked a paraglider and, and bit him on the leg. you think you'd be safe if you are in the air, wouldn't you? <laughs> in the Red Sea. It reminded me of a... of This is actually real. This is, this a, nice, is a real... Pulling your yeah, leg. <laughs> of the comic of when, I think it was Batman in the 1980s, and he's on a helicopter and he gets attacked by a rubber <laughs> shark. It, it looked exactly the same. It was unbelievable to see what they believe is an oceanic. White tip shark. It was amazing. It jumped out of the water and bit his leg. Yeah, like, unbelievable. That is... I can't...
2: I go diving a hell of a lot, and I reckon... And to I, capture it on film. But, like, what are the... Like, I'd love to see what sports bets paying for that, because it, <laughs> you go on paragliding and the shark jumps out, and yeah, I, I, I think you're I'm, stiff.
0: I think you're stiff. I'm guessing it's going to be a bit. Um, it's been five years, Redmond, since lake Tires has been open to the ocean. Water levels have risen... Uh, to two point three naturally. I'm a bit. I'm just want to pause you there. I'm a bit annoyed about this because I did some research during the week
2: to get mm-hmm. this down pat, and I filled it all up with research and what it can do uh, with, uh, I guess, science talking about uh, talking about the scientific side of it. What's going to happen when it flushes it out and the yep, fish which is species good for and, the yeah. biology of the region? Well, yep. then two days later, I did all the research. The bloody thing opened again. <laughs> Sorry, it shut up again. It <laughs> shut. So, but they do reckon, like you said. Interrupted there, but 2.3 meters was the uh, where the water levels levels sort of needed to get to for it to actually spill over into the ocean. But also that weather that we've had lately has been all over the shop. It's been horrendous. It'll be really good for the
0: fishery in there. It end is.
2: Road. It's good. it got a good flush out. A lot of water pushed out of it. Yep. Uh, it it's it's going to be massive. But it was also a very significant event uh, culturally, and that's to the land's traditional owners. And I'm going to get you to pronounce that word there because I've got no chance. The can you, can you go that one for me, Patrick? Ginnikonomi? Ginnikonomi. Excuse the pronunciation, but we've... People, anyway, that there is... uh, It's the traditional landowners... Ginnikonomi,
0: well, I would go with, the Ginnikonomi people.
2: Well, it's massive for their tradition, so it's another great thing. And environment, environmentally, too, like you said before, the fresh and salt water flush out the system, refreshes the whole thing. It's going to help stock snapper, leather jacket, salmon, big flatties, you name it. It's going to help actually... Uh, how, how quickly
0: would you would you fish it? Would you fish it this weekend? It got shut weekend?
2: in three days, Pat. It's not going to do anything.
0: No, I'm joking. No, would you fish it this weekend, though, it's because future. this was earlier in the week? Like, how quickly will that stimulate the fish in order oh. to really get them biting? I wish I had the direct answer. I reckon it would be fishing as good as it would be. Yep. As in,
2: now it's been flushed out. There's so many nutrients to be coming off the banks for the flatties, everything, the brim, everything that lives in there. I would be fishing it straight away, I'd be definitely once that water stops pushing out hard, which it obviously has now because it's closed. That's when I'd be fishing it. But for the long term side of it, you're talking juvenile snapper and stuff like that. So you you're going to be a long a few years off that side of it. But like you said, it it's definitely uh, it's definitely
0: coming from a good side. Uh, Western Australia, there's new fishing rules that have been applied. They uh, took effect during the week. Do you want to go through a bit of that,
2: Redmond? Yes, yeah, so it's going to go for 12 months, and the rules have been introduced to help protect uh, the ocean resources, and it's going to be fully, it's not just going to be uh, thrown out in 12 months, it's going to be reviewed in 12 months, yep. so a proper review. Key changes in uh, the introduction of trip limits, so possession limits on uh, fishing trips is 10 kilo of fin fish fillets from any species, no skin required, plus an additional 10 kilo of fillets from large pelagic species with skin on, Removal of 30 centimetre minimum fillet length for filleting at sea.
0: Update to the definition of whole fish, Pat. Which can now be cut into two pieces and still be considered as one fish. Release weights will be required for the master of all fishing boats. Uh, fishing by line for demersal scale fish, both recreational and commercial, anywhere in Western Australia, not just the West Coast region. Um, Fisheries WA have said these are proactive Uh, management changes and responses in consultation with WA's Peak Rec Fishing Body, RecFish West, to help manage the potential impact of increased fishing uh, activity on demersal fin fish. That's getting confusing. Well, they've said that over the past 12 months, um, there's been a a noticeable increase in recreational fishing licences issued and the uh, the vessel... uh, retrieval data from some boat ramps during the winter of 2020 was double that of the same period in the previous year so i like the fact that they're getting on on top of it early and once again it's going to be reviewed in 12 months it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be all set in stone ongoing and then if there's significant changes then they'll they'll take the necessary steps. So I think that's really good management of the fishery. Speaking of the fishery, let's get to your week in fishing Redmond. You went down once again chasing barrels off uh, Apollo Bay in Victoria's south and continued to nail these really big fish.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of fish still there, Pat. It was really good to see. We were fortunate enough to release a couple. We did keep one as well. Fish never goes to waste. It never, ever does. We've literally got... A freezer full now, and we're going to do the biggest batch of canned tuna, we'll call it, tuna in jars, that we're going to share between, obviously, our families who have caught the fish,
0: and it's going to be bloody tasty. I'm looking forward to that. What's fishing better? 120 kilo plus barrel blue bluefin tuna or the swordfish at the moment, which it's it's quite extraordinary you, to see the the number of captures. One great thing about the swordfish is it just keeps expanding. So what I mean by that is a lot of...
2: Don't get me wrong, there's been a lot of fish over the years, broadbills caught, swordfish caught at nighttime out of New South Wales and whatnot. But now it's transitioned into that daytime period. But now there's more anglers fishing different areas. So it's not just the one area that's getting hit. Uh, so what I say, is not just Lakes Entrance or Malacuta. It's literally Eden's fishing. There's one out of Marine well, during the week. There's, in there's South people Wales. having a go at
0: fishing yep. different locations for it as and it becomes more um, popular, I suppose, from oh, a recreational angler's point of view. Don't be
2: surprised. Now, I know one was caught out of uh, Port Macdonald a f- years ago. Uh, I know the guy who actually caught the fish—a broadbill swordfish. You think they come into the best? Don't tray. be surprised. I'm not. I don't think. No, nah, I reckon the Southern Ocean because uh, they ca- so they catch them in New South Wales along the whole coast. Yep, they catch them down off Lakes Entrance, Mallacoota, etc. Yep, they get them in Tasmania. Yep, where their continental shelf runs. Uh, why won't they get them on the continental shelf out of Portland and into South Australia along this continental shelf? It's the same water. Temperatures change, currents change, but how far is the continental shelf from Portland? You're looking at 35 k's plus to the start of it. You to the other side, you're looking probably 40. And how deep does it get there? Well, it's just yeah, you get you get fish. You have to fish that. It goes to thousands and thousands of meters on the other side of the shelf, but the start of the shelf. Technically, the start of the start of the shelf. When we're marlin fishing, for instance, to say like one twenty, one eighty, and then you push to the other side of the shelf, which is where you get your blue marlin up New South Wales coast, and the broadbill swordfish. They're in that sort of three hundred to six hundred meters. So it, the, all the depths there, everything's there. The food. Now, I'd, I wouldn't, I don't think there's many people that are chasing these swordfish in these areas. But the biggest but they change, have to be there.
0: But the biggest change for this clearly has been as boats get bigger, horsepower gets bigger, range naturally I get inc- broker inc- increases <laughs> so rather than needing a Riviera 40 to travel 80ks offshore or- you can do it from a trailer boat now and and be pretty comfortable with the fact that you can have it. if you're prepared you can have a sat phone you've obviously you got radios there's actually a bit of boat traffic out there now oil, like the oil
2: rigs are out off lakes as well Where I'm fishing Apollo Bays 88ks offshore there's oil rig out there there's tugs of boats out there. there's helicopters coming in and out and this
0: isn't like this isn't um, George can, Clooney in the perfect storm where, no. you know, it, it's still, make, we'll make it very, very clear, it's still very, very dangerous and you have to know what you're doing, but there's more and more people doing it. There. I can literally fish
2: Apollo Bay, say for instance, during the week, if I had the weather, I could fish Apollo Bay and then the following day I could be in Lake's entrance catching swordfish. That's how good the fishery is at yeah. the moment, so... That's fishing sensational. We're going to have to wrap it up because we're getting a bit bit over time here, Patrick. But whiting have, are at their hardest at the moment. That temp's only 10.5 degrees. So we're going to be fishing the southern end of Port Phillip Bay as yep. much as possible into that warmer water. The calamari have started in already. Now, they're big calamari. I'm talking 50-plus centimetre hoods at times. These are the big uh, breeders. There's not the numbers there like... I talk about in September, October, November, December, and so
0: on. I was but actually chatting with Devin Smith after a game against this and then last weekend because he posted a couple of ripping-sized yep. calamari he, he was fishing with Jake Stringer. Um, and I was asking him about it. He said, yeah, they, it was awesome, but there weren't many out there. But yep. they were all big, big the ones calamari. that were there.
2: Well, hopefully in the next months we're going to see these in big numbers. So there's a lot of them offshore at the moment on our, on our reefs offshore. We'll catch them while we're gummy fishing. And then they will push in to do their thing once that water temp gets right, and that's where we catch a lot of them. So, yeah, every, it's it's not super hot now, the bays, but they're still worth getting out on the water, catching a gummy. Gummies are good, so there's, there's definitely
0: plenty of options still uh, available right around the state. got a huge show coming your way of Real Adventures this morning. Don't forget to download our Real Adventures app, which you can download Wherever you get your apps from, Redmond, it is free to download. It's got recipes, it's got tips and tricks when it comes to all things fishing, boating, and exploring Australia's great outdoors. Plenty more Real Adventures after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for The Social Club, where we take your questions from social media. Each week, we're giving away real brand Fishing tops and hats for the best question. You can send it into our social pages on Facebook or Instagram, or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. Uh, The first question, Redman, is from Jeremy. What are the best boats on the market today, boys, in your opinion? Has someone got a set of boxing gloves? Because this could get heated, Patrick. Well, there's... It's an impossible question to ever answer. I'm
2: not, I'm not going to answer that as in there is a best... I don't think there is a best boat. No, well,
0: there's nothing... Other than my it... six-man North Bank. No, I don't, <laughs> think the, I don't think there is a best boat. There is... No, exactly. There is no perfect boat because there's, there's reasons why you pick aluminium over fibreglass and there's reasons why you pick fibreglass over aluminium. And there's reasons why... If you why want a boat you... to bang and be uncomfortable, pick aluminium. But if you want it to be light and steer, uh, durable... Take it anywhere, scrape it over um, reef, by aluminium. Like you know, you can't do that with fiberglass. How I answer it is, I get this question a lot. Easier to trailer for fi- uh, tr- uh, aluminium.
2: Well, well, uh, what your? We're gonna we'll ask this straight up. What is your ultimate boat? As in, for you, in, uh, and then I'm gonna it's answer it. It's my North
0: Bank 750, but it's it is, but it isn't. So on water, absolutely can do everything. Can go yep. offshore, um, enclosed cabin, which I just think is critical. But it can't do what my. F- Fifteen fifty staby craft. No, but I don't know. I we're, can't gonna, watch we're gonna, it off we're the gonna beach. talk about that in a minute. But about the best boat what is, the, is
2: your ultimate boat as in? What is the best boat to you, for you as your
0: ultimate boat? What would you have? For the ultimate. I not a trailable boat, nothing like Riviera crap. I would have... <laughs> <laughs> I would have an eight and a half meter sea legs. Really? But I find the weirdest way to find things. But they are three hundred and fifty grand and why? Well, to get it onto the beach. Because I live on the beach. Yep. We launch straight into Bass Strait. So you're, but this I, is back to my thing, though. We're not talking about practicality. We're going to go into that. No, you said, what is the best boat for you? And I would say, I want something with size. That's why I've got the, eight the, the seven and a half north bank yep. coming. But I can't have that on the coast because we have no decent boat ramps whatsoever. They yeah. are horrific. We launch straight onto the beach. Sea legs, you can, you're driving it. To, you're literally driving it down. You're literally driving it across your road. But the, I also look at boats that are that big, and I've got plenty of mates that have bought boats that have upgraded. You know, I wanted something bigger than my four-and-a-half-metre boat, have got it, and they don't use it because of how long it takes to launch, how hard it is to clean up, all those sorts of things. You store it, you can't store it at your house. That's why I love my four-and-a-half-metre Staby.
1: Yeah, you I, do I love Staby.
0: So, you know, it's – but, you know, then I look at Staby's 27, their Ultra Cab. You and love. you and you've described it as what the ugliest boat ever made, and I love how it looks. I, it
2: I, I, the boat itself's a bloody sensational boat. That's up there with one of my ultimate boats. Not I'd like the normal cabin, the but, super cab, not the ugly cab. But you think it's the ugliest thing of all time?
0: That yes. The, but the, I think the, But I can get that in a super cab though. But I like how it looks. The super cab's,
2: yeah. But it's ugly. so everyone's
0: different. What, what if you could pick any boat? If
2: I could pick any boat, what I six and a half meter. Two of them. No. Nah, no, it would be a seven fifty North Bank. It would be I'd have one left in Eden or Bermagui. I'd have one in Apollo Bay or Portland, and I'd have my little six meter for Port Phillip Bay and doing the in betweens. That would be my ideal world.
0: Just a because million, million dollars. Well, thing.
2: the six my six meter North Bank, I can do more things than what the seven fifty can. I can like. As in, I can take that into rivers and stuff like that. Your boat's a big boat, like it's a big boat. You don't fit on half the ramps land.
0: But that's why I like my little
2: fifteen. But that's why the Stabie's good. And that's yep. what I was going to say. There's no ultimate boat. So if I had, if I was only a river fisherman and I did casting and whatnot, a little—I don't even think they make them anymore. But an 1850 um, center console, like um, Paul Worsley had back in the day, that thing would be perfect for that. Yep. Or your little Stabie, for when we went up to uh, when we went up north. Your little staby and we did. Um, what was Jurassic Park place called, it started with H. What's it called again?
0: Hitchinbrook Island. Hitchinbrook
2: Island that place. That was pretty cool. When we were doing the in, in the small little uh small inlets, little canals yep. and inlets through there, I I wouldn't I don't want to take that big north. I had I actually had your north bank in there and I could barely fit with the trees, but you were yep. in the little boat and you could cast and do everything you wanted to do. And the reason I, I'm not a centre console person. I can't stand centre consoles. I like having a but cabin, up north up north you can get away with it because yep. you dry off and it's not cold. But there's so I don't think there's a perfect boat. I'm to be honest with you, I need a bigger boat. This six-metre North Bank is – I love the boat. The hull itself is good. It's just the clears that kill me having wet. Yeah. Like, I'm, I fished Polar Bay during the week. I don't think I've – actually, I fished Polo Bay a lot in the past month. I don't think I've had my sunnies, on, my
0: sunnies on once because I just can't unless I've got windscreen wipers put on them. But that, – Well, that comes back to a hard top now. If you can, if you can afford the extra spend – Everything is heading in the hardtop direction. But the, now, then you talk about that.
2: So I am going to. I think my ultimate all overall boat that will do me for a long period of time will be the 650 hardtop north bank. That's what I will have, and that's going to stay there. But then I've got the issue now of I fish out of the Barn River. I, I've got to be more mindful on my tides. I've got to come in at certain times because in case of an emergency, I can pull my bimini down now. Where with the hardtop, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm just going to have to sit there and wait for the tide to go up or down, whatever I'm going to wait
0: for it to do. So I actually looked at a Stacer Outlaw during the week of 425. Of course to, you did. tiller a steer. <laughs> well, as potentially just replacing the little um, the 399. Yeah. Jesus, oh, a nice boat. Just a bit de- – like the difference between the Vino's Punt that was built and designed in 2002 versus the construction of them now, still have that great casting platform on the bow, Yeah. but you've – You've got a, a deeper hull to deal with the, the, the waves here. Like, it's a, how big it was in, it? For? Four, four point two. But it, it's getting; it's probably getting too close to the same size as a Stabycraft. craft yeah. but it is, it is a lot lighter. Like the Staby for a fifteen
2: foot boat is a heavy boat. Oh, and, and that's the thing. Stabycraft build, I think the ultimate aluminium boat. I think I think they are the best aluminium boat by a long way. And like you just said before about your weight, the Stabycraft are a heavy aluminium boat. They push hard. They're a great boat in the ocean. They're a, bit, they're a slow boat. They're not a super quick boat. But they're. But like you said at the start, to be able to trailer it wherever you want, that 750 North Bank of yours is going to be on the prick side of things to travel with. It's going to be. It's, it's a big freaking boat, 750, where it, if you get, and I know it's still, the, the, if you've got the same size in the aluminium, everything just gets a bit easy because it's lighter. You're not upgrading cars and brakes and all that because it gets a bit lighter.
0: So Well, you look at the uh Staby crafts either the twenty two fifty ultra cab or the twenty seven they're very it's much... Let's tra- Ultra
2: Cab, let's talk about super cab. Well, it's like, it's a nicer boat.
0: It looks like a <laughs> tugboat really. But you're looking at a boat that is still trailable by a land cruiser, yet it's bloody twenty five foot long, longer. Mm, yeah. So and that's the- in terms of going anywhere, yeah, it's not going to be as as nice a riding as a fiberglass boat but you can trailer it easier. And it won't be, because it's such a big boat, it won't be far off it because it is so big. Like, exactly. It's just so big. And they
2: they build a great boat and I can't talk higher of them. And I, I, at times I do miss the old Stabia that I had, Pat, the 2100. That was a, especially when I got wet eyes.
0: <laughs> the old hardtop was nice. Except when you're banging into Swell, though. that's probably, anyway, we've procrastinating. I reckon we've got time to, for Jeremy, one more. Jeremy, sorry, we've really destroyed you there. Um, so there's no perfect boat, Jeremy. Buy them all. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, got our, I reckon we've
0: got one, time for one
2: more question from Michelle, uh, Michelle Brown. Brown. Yep.
0: Hi, guys. I have a question I'd like to ask for your show. I love listening every Saturday morning. Keep up the great work. Why is it whenever my partner and myself go fishing, I seem to catch the biggest and most fish? I keep trying to tell him it's just skill but he thinks it's because of my female pheromones. It seems a lot of males get out fish by their female partners. So is there any truth behind the pheromones playing a part in, the, <laughs> in attracting more fish or is it an old wives' tale? Well, that's a cracking question, Michelle. I think you are a real brand winner this week, so make sure you send us a direct message and we'll shoot one out to you. I'm not sure the pheromones are penetrating the water. 30 feet below Redmond. You know, I, I, I actually,
2: I worked on a charter boat as a kid for a long time and I reckon that word you said, the pheromones, they're definitely working through the water because how many times I had women outfish males on the boat,
0: I reckon it was 10 to 1. Nah, I've got the answer for this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, seriously, I've so, I love my fly fishing so I've been on a few fly fishing guides and I've asked them about sort of, you know, getting mards into fishing those sorts of things and we were talking about women in fishing. The thing that, Ladies, girls, women do that; blokes don't. Do. I've, I've heard, the, I've had this answer given to me as well. They listen when they're being told information. I don't know. Everything. A bloke will get there and go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah mate, yep, yeah, yeah, no worries," and then just totally you know, disregard you know, everything you know. he's just been told and think he knows better than the guy that's been there for forty-five years and he's half the oceans on his face; it's encrusted <laughs> into his skin. Looks like me. The girls listen. That's why they fit. That's why they they do so well. Because if someone says. this – You've, you've just got to be patient. Wait. Slow retrieval. They'll slow retrieve. You go to the blokes and they're like, they're ripping the thing in like they're skipping it across the surface. So the reason is, Michelle, is because... Do so you reckon I was just a good teacher on the charter boats back in the day? A bit of that. <laughs> Had a, g- a couple of good clients. It
2: was... Uh, that's a good question because that is... It's not an old lifestyle. That is... It's,
0: that 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 is on, it's the answer, isn't it?
2: Oh, no, I've been told that answer as well by a few people actually. So... Just don't take curry fishing, that's what my aim is.
0: <laughs> that wraps up the social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures page. Is there an ultimate boat? Well, we think not. There's always a different There's not. There's not. There's different boats. I love suit, my boat. Yeah. You're gonna love your
2: boat. Everyone will love their boat.
0: It's just whatever suits what you do. Unless the thing breaks down. If you have then you hate quality them. quality issues, <laughs> then you've got an issue. And Michelle Women listen, blokes don't. So send us it's a message in if you're uh, listening. <laughs> that? Plenty more real adventures after the break. Gearing up for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's Rugged Drinkware.
2: Welcome back to Real Adventures and it is now time for gearing up. For Dometic, enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic and our special guest today. is a regular on Real Adventures, one of Australia's most recognisable fishermen. Good morning, Lee Rayner. Hello, mate. How are you? Not too bad at all, mate. Thanks for joining us on the show this morning. And The reason that I wanted to get you on the show is because you've been down down that lakes entrance area where uh, you've been heading out. A lot of kilometers chasing these swordfish now there's a few reasons and just to throw a few reasons to why i got you on the show was how long this sword fishery is actually going for each year getting bigger and bigger the different sizes of fish and just your opinion on the fishery in itself so let's start off with let's start off with first of all uh there's different sizes of fish we are seeing at the moment
1: yeah well it's, it's really interesting mate there's some seriously big fish there um <clears throat> i think richie abella tag one over 300 the other week with a sat tag and then they got one that went 301 um but then also there's a, a real mix of little fish in amongst them and the little ones are the males the big ones are the females and i just think the little the boys just like boys do, follow the, the girls around so um what's really interesting aaron is these big fish that are coming down like the one that richie got the other week that thing in condition would have topped out at over 400 kilos because they spawn up in the Coral Sea and they're basically like whales and they head south to to get back because our, our ocean down here is just so rich in food and that's why they come to this part of the world.
2: You uh, found yourself fighting a little fish the other day, literally, I think you said it was around that 15 kilo. Did yeah. Fishing the same way that you
1: would be fishing for bigger fish? Yeah, yeah, we were exactly the same way, exactly the same. And that's what... Look, that's what I think makes swordy fishing so exciting. You know, when we're doing so many forms of fishing, your fish are really in that bracket and you get the odd bigger one. But with a swordfish and you bait down 500 metres, the bite could be a 15 kilo fish or it could be a 500 kilo fish. And you just don't know. And especially when there's this mix of sizes at the moment. But unfortunately, I think I, I hold a record for this season now. Unfortunately, it's at the wrong end of the scale. I've got the smaller sword the season, but he was a cute little thing, man. He was just like a big one, only one-tenth of the size.
2: Did he play up on the rod, or was it just a bit of more of a straight up and down coming uh, sort of thing?
1: Yeah, look, it was a funny one. We kept backing off it because we knew there was a fish there, but because they're racing to the top, the first thing you're trying to do is get tight on them, yep. you know, and, and not sometimes you whine and whine and whine, and the fish gets within 50 metres of the boat before everything comes tight. So I was backing off this thing, and my mate kept whining like a madman, and we knew something was there, and I was expecting – Something to like and this thing was racing up you could see it on the sounder um and I was expecting something big to jump out next to the boat and then eventually this thing just popped up that was like 15 kilos lifted in the boat and it carried <laughs> on a right <ripe> tree <laughs> tried to whack the living daylight out <laughs> with his bill so but the upside to that is we tagged him and he swum off beautifully so that was a good
2: thing now you did unfortunately lose a bigger model of fish now yep. what are your theories this year on hooks i'm seeing so many discussions on social media and what type of hooks are we using are we still using circles are we going back to straights because straights traditionally are to kill as such where circles are more to look after the fish and release it what are you using and what do you recommend
1: we're actually fishing a bit of a combo now aaron and and so we fish a, a static bait so one where it's secured on a tight line with a brick as the weight. And then the other one we're fishing, we use a sacrificial weight. We send it down, we break the weight off, and then that bait starts to float up to the surface. Yep. And on that, I tend to run, and Jules and Joel, the guys I fish with and that, we tend to run a circle and a small bait on the floating bait. And on our static bait, we're still tending to run a J-hook. And look, mate, the verdict is out. It's like there's no right and wrong way. Some guys swear by circle, some swear by Js. You could go 10 from 10 on circles and then miss your next 10. It's just that sort of fishing, and that's what keeps you coming back because you just can't find this foolproof method on them.
2: Speaking of foolproof method, method is the last, I guess, since the fishery has come into hand, I guess, the past few years, it's been a short season when people have targeted them, and every year, other than we'll blame COVID a little bit, every year it seems to be getting bigger and bigger. Is it possible yep. that there is no season for these swordfish?
1: Oh, I honestly believe that you're right. Yep. Look, there's your peak period. There's your peak period. But I believe just like any form of fishing, and especially game fishing, if the bait's there and the water's right, the fish are there, okay? And these fish are coming down here at this time of year to fatten up and do all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> we saw it the other week. The water went a bit bit junky out of lakes and the bite slowed down. And then the next week, a patch of good water rolled through. The water went up a degree and a half. There was feed layer everywhere, and there was like 12 or 15 sores caught in one day. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that the only month, I think, so far where there hasn't been sores caught is maybe August, September, October, and that would be purely because guys are probably not fishing for them. But they've been caught in December and January, so it just seems that there can be and there is fish there at all
2: times. Now, the next part of sword fishing, and a little bit to like the barrels that I've been doing lately, it's pretty similar distance. It's a bloody long way out. How <laughs> you, you need calm winds. I know we all want calm winds, and you get out there, and it's meant to be better than what it is. It gets rougher, and I think yep. you might even have one of those days the other day. How do you go with yep. preparing your trip regarding your fuel, your food, everything uh, to make it as safe as possible?
1: Mate, we, I suppose we always prepare for the worst, as you do. Um, it, it's always, you know, you work out, on average, I, I work on one-to-one, one, so one litre per kilometre yep. of fuel burn. But you need to take into account factors, you know, which you're well aware of, Aaron, that if you're out there and you hook up at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you could be fighting that fish for two, three, four, five hours, 6 hours, 2 knows? So you're out there longer, you burn more fuel chasing your fish around. Then if you keep the fish and you're loading back in the boat, you might have 200 kilos of extra weight in the boat on the way home and the wind could have sprung up. So I'm I'm casting more fuel than I've ever needed to use on the theory that hopefully one day I will need that fuel.
2: Yeah, and that, yeah so, spot, spot on what we just said. You, you don't want to ever have to use it, do you? It's just there
1: in case. No, nah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. and And... It's one of those things, man, and, and I've seen that joint go from a lake, like as calm as a lake to absolute awful junk in an hour, you know, and just like anywhere, when it's not supposed to blow, it blows. So you take all that into account what your fuel burn changes when it gets rough and it, and it can change dramatically by just sea conditions.
2: And it's all right when it gets rough when you're chasing snapper a few kilometres offshore because you can tuck back That's in right. but when you're 100, potentially 100 kilometres offshore. It, uh, you could be in for yeah. a hell of a fight. Anyway, we'll leave the swords for a little bit. Let's push back inland to a same sort of area. We'll go to that Gippsland sort of region. Lake Tyres. Now, we've only got yep. a few minutes left, but Lake Tyres open for a period of time, then a few days later, it shut back up. What do you yep. think, uh, I guess, by by opening, how much benefit is going to have on our fishery in Lake Tyres and just outside of Lake Tyres?
1: Uh, it's huge. Like those those estuary systems rely on, and, and a lot of them close, but they rely on that opening naturally, which is what happened. It dumped basically three meters of water out of the lake, yep. um, which is such a volume you can't imagine. It flushes all that junky sort of water out. It clears all the sludgy weed and stuff out because then you get fresh salt water pushing back in on the tide. And it's basically like a reset button on the lake. It resets because New bait would have come in. Hopefully, some prawn fat would have come in, and it just reloads the but the lake up. It reloads the water quality, and the weed beds will be healthy again. And it's, it's a great fishery. But this opening, although it didn't last for long, it could certainly reset that lake to be an amazing fishery for another two, three, four, five years. You know, enough time for it to refill and then open again. Flooded,
2: obviously, monsters live in Lake Tires. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Would they have snuck out, do you think? Or how do you think? No. Were, no,
1: no. No. So they're, they're a dusky flathead, and I get asked this a lot. Dusky flathead lives in the estuaries, and yep. basically, dusky that's born in the estuary will die in the estuary. Yep. They don't transition between estuaries by swimming out into the ocean. Um, so, no, they, they will stay in there. They'll be all happy again. The problem we had in Lake Tiger they had, is these huge flaties, but a lot of them, if people look at photos, with massive heads on them and, and a long, skinny sort of body. And that's because maybe there's they need more food source in there. But also the other thing is, Aaron, there's these giant tailor in there that are just eating everything. Okay. So hopefully a lot of those would have gone out when the lake opened. And look, I love catching big tailor. But the reality is that hopefully some of them did leave. But no, those ladies that are in there, mate, they will – day, um, but it will probably help them have a couple of good spawn years and again, it just resets everything and makes everything better.
2: I know you're not a true local Victorian, let's be honest, you're from out of state back back in the day, not a bad thing at times, not at the minute though but how do you rate the Victorian fishing at the minute? Before we let you go how do you rate the Victorian fishing game fishing, uh, table food, the whole lot, how do you rate it?
1: It's a good place to be it's a good place to be We've got big tuna, we've got lots of tuna, we've got swordfish. Our offshore fishing is getting better and better as, as guys like you crack more code. Offshore snapper, gummies, all that sort of stuff. The fresh water is unbelievable. Big cod, I'm going trout fishing this weekend for trout and ready. You know, we've got a lot of options, Aaron. You know, look at our whiting fishing now in the bay. It's, it's crazy that yep. you can ring me and go, I'm going whiting fishing, I'll be, you know, off the water in two hours and you ring me an hour and forty minutes later and go, Yeah, we've got our bag. Yeah. Like it's Crazy to think that that is just what we can do now. Gippsland's land's the same. Lake, lake entrance, the whiting run hasn't stopped for 12 months. So it's, it's a great position for us to be in, mate. Like a really great position.
2: It is. And we, as per usual, you and I could speak fishing all day, every day. But thank you yep. to Lee Rayner for joining us on this morning of Real Adventures. Thank you, mate. That was Gearing Up Thanks for, for Dominic. You. Mobile Living Made Easy. You're listening to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's Review. Redman, what do you have for us this morning? So this week, it's coming off the back of game fishing and and sports fishing in general. So what I mean by that is you need to be ready to tackle these big fish with the right gear as well as sports fish. So sports fish, I mean Spanish mackerel and anything that pulls hard amount of drag, GTs, all that sort of
0: stuff. That's going to test your limit. Test the gears. Oh, test the gears, gears limits. Yeah. Yep.
2: So during the week, I actually lent my crimping set to a mate of mine, and it and a bit like your reels, it never returned. So I uh, had to get a new so, one. So this
0: week's tip is don't share any <laughs> Don't share
2: any of your gear. Any gear with anyone. Well, I didn't get the kit back, which that's all right. You can have it. Well, I had to get a new one, and I was in a rush. Now, you can make your own crimping kit. So today's review is about crimping kits. And a crimping kit is what a what I mean, it's literally crimping your hooks on, your lures yep. on, everything onto your your rods, your swivels, all of your terminal tackle. It's all about getting that to be
0: stronger than knot point. So this is rather than buying something factory made off a shelf that has been made in China, that yep. really has a potential to fail under um, under great strain. This is... You're relying upon your expertise when it comes to putting together the gear. So really, if it fails, it's on you.
2: Yeah, 100%. And that's the thing. It, it just shouldn't fail if you do it correctly. Now, the one we're going to review today is the Black Pete crimping, uh, crimping Kit. Now, I'm looking at what you've got on your screen in front of you, which I'm a little bit annoyed about because it's you've got a price there for $200. I think it's on Wellesley's Tackle. Yep. $200, you've got the price in front of you there. I think yeah, I paid 240 <laughs>
0: So I got you, stooged. You think this is really good value? <laughs> no, that
2: though. is good value. Actually, I think I generally paid two forty during the week, so two forty to two fifty. And that what in this kit it comes with all different size crimps in itself, the actual aluminium sleeves. It comes with the crimpers as and also a few other bits and pieces like the wire, the lumo beads, and and whatever you need to tackle the fish. It comes with a really good amount of gear. So I highly recommend buying this, especially if you don't know what you're doing. It's a good starting point. So instead of, I could have easily went on the weekend uh, when I bought it from tackle store. I could have easily went. I need that and that for this trip, and just grabbed two packets and it would have cost me probably fifteen bucks. Yep. I already got the crimpers at home, etc. But I wanted to have everything, so I didn't have to keep going to the tackle store. Hence, why I bought the kit.
0: So it's got the dacron in it, um, the D shackles, all those sorts of things you're talking. It's about.
2: literally got everything. Everything you need to to rig sharks sport big sports fish and game fish so it's well worth getting now the other option that i can throw at you is you can put you can actually get this up online and they won't be happy for me saying this you can copy what's actually in it and go purchase it yourself especially if you own your own crimpers and you'll get it a lot cheaper than that yep. but it is a convenient bag to have too the bag in itself is a great it's all bag. well set yep
0: Yeah, and you can easily buy a quick tackle box and As you pull one up there,
2: you can easily have a quick tackle box. We
0: we looked on Amazon. We found a few around $150. But once again, if we were recommending, we're saying Walesy's Bait and Tackle.
2: That Wellesley's Bait and Tackle, for $200, you can't go wrong. So if you are getting into the game fishing scene, you're wanting to chase these big barrel bluefin tuna, or if you want to get a marlin on the East Coast this year, or a GT or something significant of size that's really going to test your gear out where knots won't cover it, I'd be looking into and learning how to do your crimping? Uh, you get getting yourself familiar with crimping gear because what is important is each crimp matches a line. And on your actual crimpers, it says one point five to two point five mil. And on your Black peat it actually says the actual sizes of the crimps are and which part of the crimpers to use as well. So there's crucial crimping takes the, the l- guesswork out of it, yeah, doesn't it? Does and it's got. And if you're buying a hundred and fifty pound Jinkai and you're using a Black peat one, it might not match up. So you need to try and stick to the same stuff. And this is no. Same sponsorship branding. or affiliation. I'm not so I'm literally giving you what I bought during I paid for it. Yeah and you this paid is, an extra fifty. We have saved well, you. We I, have
0: saved you fifty dollars out there. The so. only
2: difference with that is
0: I needed it then. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> I needed to get it. But yeah. So today's uh review is uh Black Pete's crimping kit. But do yourself a favor, jump online. You might find it for even cheaper than two hundred bucks. We're on Walesy's Tackle. If you to be honest with you, Wales is a great Great tackle, uh, online tackle store, so you probably won't find it much cheaper than that, as I found out the hard way. <laughs> that is Red's review.
0: You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. It's been a big show of Real Adventures this morning. Don't forget, you can catch up on each episode on our podcast page. Now, Redmond, mm-hmm. it is time for Red's tip and Clears are something that most people with any decent-sized boat are going to have issues with along the way. Particularly, they're preacher um, things, to be honest with you. After I was going to say the first two weeks of ownership, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> two weeks, two days, yes, close. <laughs> they are, uh, yeah, yeah. They're hard work. They're really yep. hard work. And if you don't look after them properly, you're screwed you will stuff something that's going to cost you hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I know exactly how much
2: because I just had mine redone because I didn't look after them. It's cost me about three grand. So it's not cheap and it's bloody expensive. So listen to what I'm going to say now. I did a lot of traveling, rough water, Polo Bay. Yep. getting smashed. I don't want to get wet. That's why I bought Good Clears. Yep. Zip my U up, I can see out of them, which is cool because – a few weeks ago, when I had the old clears on, I couldn't see out of them. I had to have them, down, have them down. Now, yes, they're new, but I didn't look after my other ones properly. I didn't know how important it was to use a product called Duplex. And there's probably numerous other uh, products brand out products there. out there that does the same. But Duplex is the one that I've got recommended, and I've been using it. And it works good. It literally is like a buff, I guess you could say. You buff it on, and then you basically wipe it off. It's like polish. And it actually takes it takes the crap off the actual uh, clear in itself. So you're not just hosing it down. It actually takes it off. And I'm doing this it every two days.
0: And it doesn't scratch the plastic. It does not scratch the up. plastic.
2: And that's the worst thing is when it scratches because you just can't see. Uh, another good thing about clears to look after them as well is take them down completely when you're traveling, as in completely. Now, you'll probably see me travel on the highway up and down here and there. I don't take them down when I'm doing, say, a couple of hours trips. I probably should, but I haven't been. But what you do, to do is you open them yes. up open up my U's. So my U's are always open. So it's got airflow going through because it can lift the windscreen because you've got 100, 110 K's on some highways and you can actually lift up the windscreen uh, as well, which can yeah, cause but, damage yep. on that. It shouldn't happen, but it can. Uh, so basically have them open, take them down for those big trips, use duplex, and you're going to get longer lasting uh, clears than what you would by just neglecting them, which is what I did. And I know I'm a little bit different example because I use them so much, but... I like, I think mine lasted six months, Pat. Yep. Which is I think that's about three hundred hours on the water and traveling to and from boat ramps. Yep. So, so they're getting, it's got to be they're better getting than that. It's gotta be better than that. So yep. Duplex, I reckon it's around thirty bucks, twenty or thirty bucks you can get yourself a can probably probably get it from the servo to tell you honest truth. So it's pretty good stuff. It works like it's it's easy to apply. It works with you, not against you. It's not one of those crap products where you buy Buffing, your arms get sore. It's literally wipe on, buffing technique, and then take it off, and you're going to have yourself uh, some good clears for a longer period of time. That was Red's tip, and now, Patrick, take us home with the Flying Gaff.
0: Flying Gaff this week, well, I'm not quite sure who it goes to because a Victorian man who was caught uh, with and sold uh, $200,000 worth of perch... Uh, or around 12 tonne of fish, was fined 11K, 20 times less than what he made from the sale of these illegally caught fish. And we, we mentioned this on Real Adventures six weeks ago, and now it's official with uh, with what this, is, this has come in at. Um, it, it just sits the wrong way with me when it comes to the penalty doesn't fit the crime with what is Rob well, recreational what, that, anglers of that region with, and how much he's made from it. So the flying gaff this week, he's, um, lived, he's legit profited. Like, why why wouldn't he do it again? As bad like as bad as that sounds, why why wouldn't he? Like, well, it's, I suppose the the answer has been well, we're just enforcing what the rules are. The rules clearly need to change if the penalty doesn't um, equal the crime. The crime, yeah. So the flying gaff this week heads to both the. Probably the justice system when it comes to yeah, it's not illegal fisheries. fishing.
2: Fisher has done the good job. Well, it's the just justice imp- system.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And the man who 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 did the deed. Anyway, Redmond, um, thank you for your company this morning. Great man. It's time for you to go fishing. I've got a game to play this afternoon.
2: You do. I mean, you got the uh, who've you got your the blue baggers. Good luck, and I'll see you on the water.